Hey there, just wanted to let you know there could be parts of this episode that are triggering. So I just wanted to inform you before you start listening, it is totally your choice to listen. If it gets too much, please step away and take care of yourself best as you can. And if you're someone who can listen and go back and forth and listen to it in parts, that is totally up to you. I just wanted to make sure I put the disclaimer before you go ahead and listen. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. This is season three and we are on episode five. Can you believe it? Episode five of season three. I mean, this is just amazing. I'm just, I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so grateful that I'm still here because there are some times when I'm like, should I keep doing this? So I'm still here and that is real talk. You know, when you have the questions in your mind, am I meant to be doing this? Is this okay? I feel like I should share that because we all go through that and sometimes we look at someone else doing something and just think, oh my God, they're so amazing. How do they continue? And I'm sure we all have our doubts. So I just wanted to share that with you. My guest today on the podcast, we have a very interesting story, in particularly a story of marriage restoration. And before we even get into the marriage restoration of the story, just how broken it was, of course, when you can think about the restoration, going through the motions, dishonesty, secrets, and then finally decide to come together. This is such a powerful story. I don't want to give it all away. And I don't feel like it's your average, I don't know if there's an average restoration story, but there are depths to this story where I feel like for some people, they might not have restored the marriage. And so I just want to add that in there, but it's a very interesting story and I'm so thankful for our guest today. So my guest today is Sarah W. She is both a coach and mentor, offering guidance for those on their journey of inner healing. Sarah has been a health and fitness coach for the past 13 years, which partners alongside her mentorship. Sarah has seen huge transformation in her personal life from her journey of healing from rape abuse and her journey of forgiveness within herself. She shares her signature message, how to find beauty in the brokenness, and has seen many people's lives touched. She is married to her high school first love and has two teenagers, aged 17 and 14. She has a deep-rooted faith in her creator God and speaks boldly of his healing in her life. Her marriage story is also one of restoration after a complete explosion from hidden addictions, betrayal, and sexual brokenness to a marriage that is fully healed and transformed. Sarah, her husband, also share their marriage story publicly. Hope is never lost. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation.
Hello there, Sarah, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Hey there. Thank you so much. I'm just, I can't wait to just get to share. Let's get right in. You know, I I waste no time because people are just ready. (laughs) What is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? Mm, That's such a loaded question. I love it. I love this, the title. You know, there's been many things in my life that I thought would break me. Um, Specifically, uh, you know, getting into my marriage story in year, I've been married now 16 years. And, and now I joke that happily married for nine. The first seven years of our marriage were quite chaotic. Um, my husband and I both came into our marriage as very broken people carrying our own levels of unworthiness and shame. And, you know, I came from a background where I had parents, they were both present in my life, but I was the oldest of five. And if anyone has heard of the five love languages, if you haven't, I highly recommend looking it up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have. Right, but-, um, but if our audience are, it hasn't heard, the five love languages are extremely powerful. So, uh, you know, we all have a top love language and mine is quality time. Mm-hmm. So meaning if in order to feel the most valued and loved, I need quality time spoken to me. Um, I can have the other love languages spoken, but if I don't receive quality time, I feel not loved, not treasured Mm -hmm. and valued. So I didn't get that with my parents growing up because they were busy with the other four. I was the oldest. I was kind of brushed aside. Uh. Okay. So what happens is I've developed this belief system already as a young child that I'm not worthy. I'm not seen. I'm not loved. I'm not valuable. I go into quite a chaotic teenage life and just rebel and I'm just hurt. At age 18 is where um, on New Year's Eve, I was raped. What that did was send me now my low self-worth already uh, send me into such a chaos and brokenness of self-sabotage. Because what happens a lot of times when there's trauma that that comes into our life, um, our brain is neurobiologically wired to have to make sense of it. And anything traumatic that has happened to you is a senseless act because God did not create us to cause harm to each other. Mm -hmm. And so our brain is scrambling to make sense of a senseless act. And sadly, tragically, the only thing that generally makes sense in our brain is, well, it must have been something I did. I caused Mm -hmm. it. And so we land on a story because our brain is so desperately trying to have a why. And so now I have this story already playing, first of all, from my parents not believing I was truly valued and loved to now this self-blame and hatred towards myself for putting myself in this situation where I ended up being raped. So now I have this just complete chaos and brokenness in of who I am. Uh, I got into a very physically and emotionally abusive relationship after that for three years. And it was wild. Like it was very, very just broken. Mm -hmm. Um, The first time he was physical to me, I remember just being in complete shock. He had came at me and shoved me against a wall. And then he had his hands up around my neck and he was punching a window beside me. And it was obviously hurting his arm as he's doing that. And I remember dropping to my knees at that point. He, he kind of walked out of the house completely angry. And I remember dropping to my knees being like, who am I? How did this happen to me? I did mm-hmm. not grow in a household like this. And now I've had someone who says they love me do this to me. Um, but what happened is, um, Bianca, I put myself on a cycle of the next day after that abuse happened, I came back home. I had been working, come back home to my boyfriend at the time, sitting on the couch, just completely like with tears in his eyes. And I went into my room and there was a letter on the floor. So it was a three page letter. I sat on the floor and read it and it was him pouring his heart out how he couldn't believe he could have ever laid his hands on me. He would never do that again. He loved me, all the things. 
And so I came out of the room and I sat on the couch with him after reading that letter. And he just looked at me with so much sorrow in his eyes. And it was such an intense emotional time. Like I just felt this deep emotional connection to him. And, you know, we embraced and I forgave him and I, I believed him. But of course, once you step over a line, if, mm-hmm. if he steps over the line of putting his hands on me, that line's now gone. And so the next time it comes, there's going to be another line he's going to mm-hmm. cross. And so it just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But what I noticed was, you know, coming out of now being healed, is what happened was I became addicted to the high of emotional connection that I would get after the abuse, because I lacked that all my life. I lacked this connection with my parents, this connection with God, this connection with myself. And so what I would do was I loved that intense emotional connection that I had with my abuser after the abuse. And so I was willing to stay in this cycle of abuse, chasing the high of emotional connection afterwards. Wow, that's so profound. I was desperately looking for connection in life, desperately looking for self-worth in life. And that was the only way I knew how to get it. Yeah. Was staying in it. Yeah, that makes so much sense, especially in the sense of that's how you humans are wired. We are wired to connect. And so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, at, at that point, the brain is in control. The brain is trying to get this dopamine and that sense of connection. And you're also operating out of the limbic system in terms of the decisions that you're making, not really your prefrontal cortex. So it actually makes sense in terms of how we are wired as humans and how the brain is wired. And so did you bring that sense of the emotional charge, wanting that that high emotional into your marriage as to why you said, I've only been happily married for nine years? Is that what kind of happened there? Yeah, what I realized was coming out of it finally after three to four years, um, I didn't deal with it. I'm a visual. I like to visualize to heal myself. And God showed me that essentially the woundedness that had happened through my past was like getting shot. So as if getting shot of the trauma, the rape, the, the belief systems was like bullets lodged inside mm-hmm. of me. You know, I shoot, shoot myself in the foot because I'm so angry at myself. And then the abuse happens and that's like a bullet. And so what, what happened is I put little finger bandages over my bullet wounds, put my shirt down and I'm fine. I don't need to deal with that. I can mm-hmm. carry on. I'm strong. I got this. I'm independent. I, I'm okay. But mm-hmm. I kept the bullets lodged inside. And so I carried bullets, essentially a wounded person into my marriage now, not dealing with, well, if we literally think of what bullets do, what are they going to yeah. do if they stay inside you? Complete yeah, poison, then, right? Yeah. Your, your blood's going to be poisoned. Everything's poisoned. And so I came into my marriage with my shirt down over my bullets, but they're still there. And then you try and do life. Well, it doesn't work. Mm. You know, just this belief system about myself, this such low self-worth, not believing I was worthy. And my husband carried his own. He was, he was coming in wounded as well. He, when we got married, he was four days sober from alcohol and um, he, he was, do, he was doing really well. He's been well, now it's been 17 years sober from alcohol. He's never touched another drop since um, four days before our daughter was born. Um, but what unknown to me he was carrying was this brokenness, this belief system around himself where he was carrying an addiction to pornography into mm-hmm. our marriage. And he had lied about it. He had said he had, he had stopped that. He believed that he wanted to stop that in our marriage. And so for the seven years of our marriage leading up to our explosion, unknown to me, he was carrying on with lying and, and hiding this addiction. Uh, it became quite a deep addiction for him. And so imagine we're trying to come together, but we're both 
essentially broken and kind of lying to each other because I'm not healed. I'm not being who I am. Mm -hmm. He's not being who he is. And uh, we kept hitting walls, hitting walls, hitting walls. We tried to play the part. We tried to make it look good. Um, but there was such brokenness inside. And I really had a lot of self-hatred towards myself for what I had put myself into, right? This belief yeah. system of of what I had caused, which was a lie. You know, shame loves nothing more than darkness, secrecy, mm-hmm. lies. Mm-hmm. Shame wants to keep us small. Shame wants yeah. to keep us down. And so anytime you feel like, you know, if there's people listening, like, if, if you are feeling shame, shame wants you to stay small and down. He, it does not want you to bring anything to the light. And so realizing that if you feel shame starting to scream at you, its whole purpose is to keep you in the darkness and not to release. And so my husband in shame kept it quiet for all those years to me. And I kept quiet the, the things that really I was struggling with. In the end, after seven years, I really began to hate what I thought was him. I thought I began to hate him. Really, it was because I was really harboring hate against myself. I shut my heart down to stone. I was in so much pain and brokenness and devastation from what had happened. And I just became, this is too hard. I'm shutting my heart down. I don't, I hate my husband. Um, He was just, I wasn't able to connect with him. Obviously he was hiding a lot of stuff. So Um, we ended up mostly just, it seemed like at the end, it was more roommates, but roommates who hated each other. Mm. It was very not good. We had two kids at the time. We still do. I should say that we (laughs) still have two kids. (laughs) But what happened is the last two months before the explosion, I had an opportunity that presented itself. Some, I had a, a male text me and I remember this thought in my head. It seemed like an innocent text, but I remember thinking, if I respond to him, I think it could go somewhere. And I'm not sure why I felt like this, but it was my spirit and like kind of a knowing. And I believe it was God saying, stop right now. But mm-hmm. I was so shut down. And I was like, you know what? My marriage is over, essentially. I hate him already. And I knew I was always, my subconscious, you're always going to mess it up anyway. Who, who did you think you are to have a good marriage? You're so messed up, broken. Mm. You're so invaluable. You might as well go out at least having a little fun. Wow. And, um, and so I thought, screw it. This is it. I was never going to get the marriage I wanted. I'm a mess up. I'm a screw up. I've never got, you know, the connection with my husband. You know what? I'm going after this. I chose to go after it. And I made a pact with myself. I thought I'm never going to even, we, at this time, we weren't even physical anymore, my husband and I, um, but we would maybe do a random kiss by, you know, see you. So I said, as soon as I go out with this other guy, I'm, I'm going to completely stop everything with my husband. I'm going to wait for him to ask me. And then when he asks me, I'm going to say, here's what I've been doing. You and, plan this you in know, your head? Oh yeah, I planned it in my head. Our marriage is going to be over. That's that. His family's going to hate me. I've, I'm just completely screwed it up. But oh, well, whatever. This is just my lot in life. It was a couple months down the line. My finally, my husband finally clued in and he said, something's going on. We need to have a talk. And I was like, okay, here's the moment. We went out for a drive. And that morning, my husband says, it's not like it was an audible, but an audible voice. He he can't describe it in any other way. He had been living this life of lies to me Mm -hmm. for the, and, and um, not willing to face it. And he felt this like, strong voice that said, Matt, you need to come clean to your wife today. You need to step up and change your life. So we pull over and 
I say, I'm ready to share it with him, you know, what I've been doing for two months. And he goes, okay, hold on, stop. Before you say anything, I need to share something with you. I don't know. I felt this weird, audible, almost voice today. And he said, I've been hiding something you've heard our whole marriage. And I need to let you know, you know, I've been lying to you. I've been addicted to pornography and kind of sex and just been lying about Mm -hmm. just emotional affairs at work and, and just haven't been there for you. And I was just like, what? Like here, I thought I was the only one had that had something. And like, I was absolutely so angry and like self right, like screw you then at least I have something against you. How dare you for eight years be like, like, I was just like, I thought I was just gonna end our marriage. And you've been doing this all the time, whatever. It was a complete explosion. And you admitted to him what you was doing at the time. Yeah, I said, well, here's what I've been doing for the past two months. And you know, I kind of wish it was longer now you it was it was messy. But what happened is God really got a hold of him that day. And he like really got a hold of him, like in a miraculous way. He really felt God say, and we had incredible mentors that were already around us at the time. Mm-hmm. We had drove out to their parking lot, actually. So my husband went into our mentor's house and I drove off in anger. Our mentor called and she said, come back, Sarah. Matt has something to say. I said, I don't, I don't want to hear anything from him. We're done. Like she said, just give him a chance. Come back. And I came back and he was sitting across the table from me and he had a, had a letter and he started to read to me and he said, you know, dear Sarah, I, for the past eight years have not been the husband that God asks me to be. I left you as you, as my valued wife. I left our vows from the beginning. I have completely betrayed you. I haven't been there for our kids. I haven't been the father I need to be. And I know you don't ever want, you know, you don't want us to be together, but that doesn't matter anymore. I need to be the man that God's asked me to be, who is a godly man who loves his wife unconditionally Mm -hmm. and loves his kids. And so I'm going to be there for you, whether or not you ever choose me again. Wow. I'm still going to do the right thing. I didn't believe it. it was that was that was just words. I had heard words for seven, eight years of relationship with him. Words, 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 never action. So what changed your heart? So he began to change. (laughs) He began, I think literally the next day he was up at five in the morning. I came down and he was reading his Bible and he had these books on how to be a godly man. And he started to go to meetings and he he would take the kids to church. And I just didn't believe it. And it was a couple months down the line where he was literally doing these things every day, mentors, meetings, calling his sponsor. He was doing everything um, without me on board. I was angry and mad and telling him to leave and he would not leave. He said, look, Sarah, God has asked me to stay. And so if you want our marriage to be done, you're going to have to leave this house. I will not walk out on you. Like I am fighting for this. And uh, he would bring um, roses home. I remember that the day after he said, I know you hate me, but I feel like God said, Sarah needs a hug and I'm going to offer a hug to you every day, Sarah. And you can just say no to me. But I'm still going to offer it because you need. I, I just think you need a hug. And so every day he would say, hey, Sarah, do you need a hug? And I'd say, no. Mm-hmm. Sarah, do you need a hug? No. Do you need a hug? No. And um, he just kept showing up. So what happened is I, I kept being just unbelieving that this was happening. But there was this this like disbelief almost of like kind of out of the side of my eye. Like, is this actually true? He's changing. So why did and he's leave? staying? Yeah. Why, why did I leave? Because you were at that point where I'm doing this, I'm having, yeah, I'm shutting down, I'm having this affair, I'm talking to someone else. So when you tell Mm me, I'm just going to leave. So what made you change your mind and actually go every day and continue to see him change instead of just leaving? 
well, first of all, the practical steps of, okay, how am I going to do this actually? <laughs> okay, he wants me to leave. I think I envisioned he would leave and I would have that. Okay. So some of the practical steps. Um, but part of me inside was just, I think, really hoping to see that maybe this is actually true. Mm. That maybe he is. And the unconditional love that he showed up for me as I was still going out, like, see you later. Like, I'm... You know, here's the moment, Bianca, where unconditional love broke me is I was just angry to him. And I, and I remember saying, you know, you're going to leave eventually. Like, just frick it. You're, you're, you can't handle mm-hmm. watching me leave the house. And I said, fine, you know what tonight I'm going to do? I'm going to go upstairs and get really dang, like freaking make myself look so fine. And then I'm going to go out of this house and you know where I'm going and you know what I'm doing. And so you were still seeing this guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I was pushing hard. Like I didn't, I was like, you cannot handle this. Like as anyway, so this night I come downstairs, I made myself look so good. And I come down and he's sitting on the couch and I looked at him like, just with like, like, so you're going to leave now, like, see you later. You know what I'm doing tonight? I left. And as I'm driving away, I get a text and it was a little ding on my phone. You know, whenever I had the chance, I had, I picked it up and it was a, a text from him. And the text said, hey, Sarah, I just want you to know you look absolutely breathtaking tonight. And I'm always on your side. Love your husband, Matt. In that moment, it just sat with me. Like, what? How? How? How can someone love, love like that? That doesn't make sense. Like, that's senseless. That doesn't make sense. The power of unconditional love Mm -hmm. that just like came rushing at me, you know, that is what unconditional love is. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, I felt this like feeling of God speaking through my husband because my husband would keep saying, God's asked me, I'm staying, I'm God's telling me, he knows you need me to be there. Like, and so I felt this just like mix of like unconditional love from a, a, a creator God. Yeah showing himself through my husband mm-hmm. with this, my husband willing to sacrifice and be there for me. And unknown to me, my husband had walked downstairs after I left, dropped on his knees and yelled at God, like, this is so hard. And God's like, yeah, I'm teaching you finally how to be unconditional love. Like I love my kids. I love unconditionally. And Matt, now you're learning how to love your wife unconditionally. This is what it looks like. And that was the moment where nothing was the same after that. I I tried to continue to put my guard up and it was just breaking. It was just breaking. I I couldn't in the face Mm. of unconditional love. I couldn't, I just, I I couldn't keep my defenses up. Wow. You know, it was so powerful. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, I always talk to people about the unconditional love, but I always talk like when you've actually experienced grace, when you you know like physically from another human, like you can experience it from God, but when you experience it from another human being, it really shifts your perspective. It really, you know, changes. And I just love that. You know, I always ask people this question, kind of like, what helped you along the way? What what helped you make the changes? And I'm like, well, here's my answer. It was it was the love and the power of God that that really shifted your heart. Like oh. that is like, and and you were physically, you were sexually intimate with him, with the guy too, that you were seeing. Yeah. And I, and I want to reiterate that for the listener. And he knew. He knew. He, <laughs> he knew. knew when you left yes. the house. 
Yeah. That is. Isn't that? Yeah. 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 And I think what God needed to do two things. He needed to teach my husband how to surrender and love because he had been holding lies for eight years, right? This Mm -hmm. hidden. And so he was doing two things. He was teaching my husband how to step up and be a man and love. And then Mm -hmm. he was on the same, same side teaching me what value looks like in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. Like I, God values you no matter what you've done, Mm -hmm. the value that he sees, he pursues, he's relentless. He goes after you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And it was like, I was like a caged animal, right? Just like, ah, like I don't believe you, but it's really, I'm hurt inside. Really I'm hurt. My anger is the surface. The hurt is beneath the brokenness is beneath. At that point, I remember saying, telling my husband, can you just leave for like a day? I need a day to process, you know, after that moment, I need to process, I need music. I need, I need the chance to cry and not have the kids around and you around. And uh, he did, he left me for a day. And I remember I hadn't put music on for quite a while. Cause I just, music makes me feel. And I hadn't wanted to feel mm. anyone else identify. It's like you, you do everything possible to keep feeling away. Yeah. And I'm sure there's listeners. Yes. It's like whatever you can do to distract yourself from feeling, don't feel, I don't want to feel that's too hard. That's too much. And, um, mm-hmm. but he left for the day and I, I made myself press play on an album. I hasn't, hadn't listened to my mom had given it to me a few years ago. I press play and the, the very first song it's by Kim Walker Smith. breathe your life into my lungs you bring Mm. to life these dry bones and I just broke like I love her isn't all that and that song was just like oh she's powerful but it was like God was like Sarah I'm breathing my life back into you like you think you these places that of debt like that you've walked away from in your life I get to bring those things back to life and and I I really from our story is what I want people to know is no matter what you've walked away from in your life, like the places that are like almost the graves that you've shut, those are the places God says I can come into and bring back to life. Like my heart, a stone for him to breathe life and bring me back to life. Like that's who God is. That's what he does, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. um, I cried for 12 hours that day, 12 hours. I cried and sobbed and, and just like journaled and cried and sobbed and journaled. And, um, my husband came home at the end of that. And in the morning, he came back without the kids. He left, left them at the in-laws. He came in and I was just so different. So different. Were you were different? I was so different. Wow. Because I had finally released. It was a complete, just like release. Yeah. And um, he came in and he said, hey, Sarah, do you want a hug? And I said, yes, I want wow. a hug. And we hugged and we cried and we cried and we laid on the couch and we just said, I'm so sorry and he, to each other. And we were so in pain, but willing to do it. And um, that was the moment of, you know, where God was just so present in that moment. And it, yes, after that, let me say, after that, it was a freaking hard journey of a lot of work. 
What kind of work did you do or what kind of support did you have? Yeah, all that work. It began, it was, my husband was already in it. He was doing it. Um, So for me, it was putting myself right into therapy, like getting like to the depths of me. It was allowing music and journaling back in. It was actually calling my mentor who I knew was there, but reaching out for once, right? Um, And allowing the support, allowing people in you know, and, mm. and being completely a mess in front of people and saying like, this is where I'm in, allowing my husband in, you know, I don't think it's one step, it was multiple steps of doing the mm-hmm. inner work, allowing people to come in. Um, I, you know, God, just so many steps. During that journey, did you ever question, am I doing the right thing? Or is this really going to work out? Oh, yeah. Were you ever question it yeah. through that journey? Yeah. And in that, what made you continue when you were questioning or what kind of kept you firm Mm. to keep going? You know, when we decided to make it work, I really, my friend had sent me a a scripture about, now I'm going to get it wrong. It's something about um, she is clothed in strength and dignity. And dignity. And just to be able to hold my head up high, thinking of my children. Thinking of my children and thinking like I, who I was and who I had become was someone that I hated. And I wanted to be someone that was, you know, could be hold my head up high and my kids could be proud of my kids could look up to. And so a lot of that was like, I know fighting for my marriage now, walking through the journey of healing from the pain of his side and the pain of mine is going to be really hard. But like my kids deserve that. Like they deserve to have parents that fight. Mm-hmm. to do everything that they can to make things work and not only work but thrive you know to to not mm-hmm. just be but to become an incredible beautiful marriage of, of intimacy and um so uh-huh. I wasn't willing to give up because they deserved more you know and I deserved uh-huh. more that self-worth that that worthiness started mm-hmm. to take grip in my heart I was like I deserve the marriage that I dreamed of so does my husband and so do my kids they get to have that too wow. you know that's beautiful. Where are you today? Where am I today? Oh, man. Yeah, you, your husband and your marriage. Yes, it's been a journey. You know, you have this incredible, it was almost like a honeymoon phase again. So we we got mm. through all this. And now it's like God came around us and gave us back this incredible honeymoon. Oh, man, like, am I allowed to talk about <laughs> the sex? It's like, this, everything is incredible. There's again. no, okay. <laughs> there's nothing off limits. <laughs> it was hot and steamy and amazing and passionate and at such a different level. Um, than it had been before and just like there was this beautiful honeymoon stage and then you just kind of get complacent again right for me it was a couple years later that God brought up that I still hadn't dealt with my bullet wounds you know the the, uh, dealing taking them out actually facing that I had been raped facing the abuse and dealing with that and so there had there was some periods of time where I kind of went back inward I was oh this is so hard and too much and so I pushed my husband away for a while but let me tell you, the past year, God has, uh, he challenged me. He, I, you know, the intimacy was starting to be something where I was like, started protect myself. And God was like, no, you're not doing that. He gave me, he said, Sarah, you, you got to break out of this again. And so he said, there, I felt him say, I should say, like, it, the way God speaks to me is just like an interruption of my thoughts. He said, 30 days of intimacy straight, go start tomorrow. And it was starting to become like every once a month, like the intimacy was starting to wane. And I was like, are we oh talking just word. general physical intimacy? When we talking, 
okay yeah. sexual intimacy because yeah, I always like to make the yeah. separation sometimes it might be a hug but it's still intimate physical. okay yeah. yeah had to be physical and emotional right but so I texted my husband and um, we're on now day oh man we're I think at like 70 80 probably into day 90 of physical and emotional incredible it's been wild and incredible now let me preface this it's not sex every day because physical intimacy does not just mean that right so it's maybe the massage or and also um daily affirmations I have a course that I take people through and, and one of it is like what we learned seven years ago with our therapist or nine years ago with our therapist is um it's called the dailies and uh so we've been doing that for almost 90 days now but it's you share two feelings with each other it's kind of a whole thing but you share feelings with each Mm -hmm. other you share affirmations with each other um and then you have we have our physical time so it's been it's been a wild amazing journey of just like the levels that god can give you back in your life like deeper than you ever Mm -hmm. thought possible it's absolutely breathtaking to go on that journey with yourself and if you have faith, you know, with God to allow that in, I mean, to me, that's, yeah. you can't, I can't do it without because God has shown up so powerfully in wow. my life. You say you unleashed is the most powerful yeah. you. And so what does that look like for you today? What does that mean? I just, I get excited even when you read it. It's like, yes, you unleashed. I know. Uh, yeah. Um, God has really given me this, like, this journey this year of completely unleashing to me unleashing is unrestrained unstuck unstoppable completely everything that has held you back your you know the the chains of the the negative self-talk or the beliefs about yourself or whatever has kept you stuck to be able to be completely broken free of all of that makes you has you step into the most powerful you because look God created us from when we came out of the womb as these incredible powerful beautiful created beings Mm -hmm. that we then through you know pain and things that happen we start to put things on us we actually craft versions of ourselves that aren't the created version it's Mm -hmm. the crafted version so when you say unleashed it's like it is you in your beautiful, powerful, created you without the things that keep you stuck or chained or, you know, bound. Ooh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Right. Did you hear that? Ah. And I love what you said. The difference between the created you and the crafted you it makes me think of a conversation I've been having with one of my friends and they always talk about we kind of develop ourselves from these stories, the stories that we've made up or the stories that we've been told. But when you take away those stories, what do you have? Like when I think about crafted, I think about the stories and initially what you're created. And um, talking about created, one of the things, my themes for this year is I'm fearless and I'm powerful. And one of the things I understand is that I was created fearless. Like, you know, that's how I create. I don't say to people I'm created without fear because to me, that's not the same as saying I'm created fearless mm-hmm. um, because that's who I am. Right. I'm created powerful. That's why I really connected. I was like, oh my God, this is kind of like where I am. So I really wanted to, you know, highlight that and, and just hear a bit more because I think it's so important when we're talking about we're worrying about the things that will break us. We're worried about what people will say. We're worried about the judgments. And so when we're in that space, we're not leashing 
right? The most powerful version of ourselves where we're holding it back mm-hmm. and we're not able to get into the fullness of what it means to be us as we're, like you say, as we're created versus as we're crafted. Yes. So I I love that, Sarah. That is that is profound. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And I love that, Bianca, yeah. about the fearless, absolutely created fearless. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your story is just so powerful and so needed. So thank you so, so, so much. Um, My favorite question I like to ask people, what is something messy in your life today? Something messy in my life, you know, something messy. It could be physical or emotional or just nothing. It doesn't have to be deep. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is sort of in a way, it's my rackets. I call them the rackets. So the loud voices that still want to keep me oh, come on, this is, you're not, your voice still doesn't match, right? Those are the rackets. They're trying Mm -hmm. to be loud. So my messiness Mm -hmm. is, you know, sometimes getting caught in like, what did you say? Like that racket of like, sorry, what did you say? I'm on, oh, dang, yeah, maybe I shouldn't speak up, you know? So my messiness is still, it's going to be constant. And just acknowledging that my rackets are there. We all have rackets, but becoming louder than the rackets is, is my constant fight daily. So my messiness is, is yeah, the, the rackets will be there. And that's- I love it. Okay. I love that. Thank you. So do you have any last words you want to share with the listener? You know, what I hope always is they can see that the journey that God took me on of going from not being worthy and believing I was you know so full of shame and anger, that God can literally transform you and nothing is too hard. You are worth the inward journey. You are worth being free and healed and whole and coming alive into every part of who you are. And we only have now. Like the, the, I believe the lie is that we, we have time. You have now. Now. Now you get to be worthy. Now you get to be free. Now you have the chance. It is now. And if you allow yourself to go inward, the freedom that you can experience is, you know, unlike anything else. I just, that is my purpose in life. You know, there's one saying I'll leave you with. It's um, uh, Morgan Harper Nichols. This is what I live by. It's, she says, uh, be willing to tell others how you climbed your mountain because that can become a page in someone else's survival guide one day. Mm. And, um, Ooh, I love that you know, our stories have purpose, our, our pain has purpose, your life has purpose. And um, a lot of times it's the things you're going to walk through that you're going to be able to turn around and share with others that need hope someday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just because you're so awesome and unapologetically you and totally unleashed, how can people connect with you and shower you with love? Where can they find you? There's a couple of ways. I, my link tree, I have a link tree link, which pulls up everything in there. There's many things. I offer a five-week course taking you through the steps of transformation and healing, you know, that God really has led me on. But I have Facebook, I have Instagram. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, the courses are there too. And I would love to take you through anyone listening through those steps because man, it's transformational. <laughs> love it well thank you and all that information will be in the show notes and just thank you for being such an awesome guest and letting us into your life and sharing your story thank you bianca such an honor you know one of the things i love 
about when I talk to guests, even when the the people that I know, I try not to get too much information about their story because I love to just be wowed and to be in the experience of the conversation. And that was definitely the case with Sarah just so many things she shared. I had no idea about her full story and the ins and outs. And so I was wowed for the first time, just like you. And one of the biggest wows was that it's definitely a God story. And I cannot even begin to imagine the power it took for her husband to watch her going out each night or the time she was dressing out, going to be with another man and he was there waiting. Like that is definitely a power that is just beyond us. And so that is like one of my first takeaways and just how powerful God is just left me speechless. The other thing going back to relationships is that relationships can be restored. I mentioned this on season two with Jessica about sometimes we go into relationships, romantic ones with this fairy tale. And if it doesn't look like a fairy tale, well, like it's time to walk away. And I really do believe that this is your decision to really think about, be with yourself and your partner and what you want to decide in your romantic relationship because everyone looks different and relationships can be restored even in tough circumstances but that is your final decision and you have to be um I just encourage you to be peaceful and loving in that decision that this is your decision and no one else's decision and that is both individually for yourself and then together in your romantic relationship The last takeaway is that how things from our past can impact how we view ourselves and keep us in shame. In particular, Sarah was talking about some of the abuse, um, not feeling like she's worthy and just all these holes that she had that she was trying to fill. And some of them, I'm sure at the time, she wasn't even aware of because we're just so used to just keep going, just keep going and not slow down to really connect with ourselves and ask ourselves these questions. And so I just want to say that sometimes what we may deem as small or it wasn't a big deal, I encourage you to be mindful of those things because maybe they might be impacting you more than you realize. So those are my takeaways. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review. If you are listening to this and you're not following, go ahead and press the follow button so that you will get notifications of when new episodes are out. Thank you for listening. Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at authenticallybeyou for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. And remember, 
to discover the beauty within the mess.